Will gets the puck for Carrier. He gets stripped, taps the loose puck for Kessel. He scores! Kessel from below the goal line! Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Knights grab it on the right wing side. Smith to the point. Petrangelo scores! Set up by Riley Smith. Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. The show stretches from the Las Vegas Valley all the way over to Raleigh, North Carolina, where we bring you the VGK Insider Show. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman. Also want to bring you up to date. I found out where Dave Gosher is in our hotel. Hmm. I knocked at the door hmm. and then ran down the hall and waited for him to open it. Uh, just a little bit of trickery oh, to annoy him even more so as uh, as I get under his skin. Not only sharing the broadcast booth for the pregame and the intermissions, but also in the hotel, bugging him uh, as we go along, as he battles through his cold and uh, his situation with uh, with Shane Daddy. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow night. The Carolina Hurricanes are the opposition. A chance to sweep another opponent uh, coming off the season sweep against the Tampa Bay Lightning last night, which was uh, a game that uh, didn't have a lot going on, to be quite honest, from the frantic start in which Vegas scored in the first minute. Uh, things settled down as a 1-1 game after two periods. Uh, the feistiness started to pick up uh, in the middle of the second period, but there was no indication that uh, things were going to go crazy in the third period, both statistically from the scoring standpoint and from the 10 ejections that occurred. But it uh, it wrapped up in style. And I said in our postgame show with Gary Lawless uh, uh, on at and mm-hmm. Sportsnet, it was a game that was made for sports talk radio and the open phones last night because there's so many different yeah. layers to it. And I was thinking about you, Ryan, uh, as you were hosting uh, your your post game show. Uh, what, what the what the fans would uh, would be talking about? Was it the brawl? Was it the play of Jonathan Quick? Was it the uh, great explosive performance by Alec Martinez to get to the sensational shot by? by uh, Jack Eichel, or was it uh, the the third period er- eruption? You could also throw in there that Vegas only had nine shots through two periods. Did people talk about that? Where What was the theme last night? The nine shots through two periods was not a theme. Um, more or less everything that you've touched on uh, was there and present last night uh, in the extended postgame show. We, we talked about Jonathan Quick and his performance. We talked about Alec Martinez, his penchant for scoring uh, big-time overtime goals and, and his ability to just do whatever it takes in order to put the puck in the back of the net, the lunge, the extension, the fact that he was able to get there right before Andre Vasilevsky. Perfect, fantastic. Um, physicality, the, the, the fight, um, the amount of penalty minutes in the game, that was certainly uh, a theme. Um, Rita called in and loved every minute of it and every aspect of the game, thought it was incredibly entertaining. And then there were a couple of calls that did really zero in on, as you would expect after a big win for the Vegas Golden Knights on the road and sweeping a team as good as Tampa Bay in the regular season. There were calls wondering why the Golden Knights can't uh, close out a game when they have a third-period lead. Well, the the third-period lead last night that got away from them is is kind of twofold. They were up 3-1, and Tampa mm-hmm. gets a goal with the, with the goalie pulled, 6-on-5. Then you take a penalty, yep. and it's six on four, and yep. 
you're really up against it. The, the penalty kill did a nice job last night until the, the very end in the mm-hmm. six on four. Uh, but uh, but the, the penalty kill kept them in that game uh, in, in a lot of a uh, lot of cases by coming up with big challenges to that might of, of the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the, I understand that uh, side of it. Uh, the coach would certainly prefer them to be able to uh, lock it down. But compared to some of the other games in which leads have slipped away and they've had to go to extra time yeah. uh last night is one that uh, that'll give them a partial pass just based on the skill level of the tampa bay light now you get into a stanley cup playoff situation and everybody's got good players uh you're gonna mm-hmm. have to come up with with stops in there uh because that can change a series in a heartbeat uh you blow a two-goal lead uh late but there's 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 still a part of me last night that thinks okay after two periods would you have been just happy as could be to get that game to overtime based on what was mm-hmm. happening through the first 40 minutes? The, the blowing uh, or letting the 3-1 lead get away was slightly misleading, was it not? Yeah, it was because, you know, my my argument yesterday was, you know, the Golden Knights were pretty fortunate to be in a position up three to one in that game, given how the first 40 minutes evolved for Vegas, how few opportunities they had uh, and how much, you know, Jonathan Quick was was really rising to the occasion and, and kind of keeping that one a tie game. So I think going into the into the third period tied one to one, you're probably playing for overtime at that point. Now, it doesn't change the fact that the Golden Knights were able to bury a couple of chances. William Carlson shorthanded Chandler Stevenson, a a long deflection on the power play. Those special teams come through for you. You'd like to see it through. You'd like to make it an easier finish. But as you mentioned, Darren, the individual skill, the collective skill on display with the Tampa Bay Lightning, there aren't a lot of teams that are going to be able to make those types of plays in that situation. Everything runs through Nikita Kucherov, and and he was the great equalizer last night. Well, Kucherov was great. Stamkos uh, was dynamic at times. Uh, the first goal, they actually got a break in the first goal because I think Kucherov's shot missed the net, hit point at the side of that, and they was able to shovel it in. But that line was was so good with points, Stamkos and Kucherov. And they've got that dueling one-timers with the Tampa Bay Lightning that they can go to Kucherov or Stamkos on, on uh, each uh, opposite wing. And that opens up so much uh, ice for everybody. And and remember, last night they didn't have Hedman in the lineup, which is yeah. uh, one of their big pillars uh, in this game. I want to get into the melee in the third period. But first, let's get the game ratings uh, with Chris Chapman, Ryan Wallace, and myself as we serve it up the 4-3 victory over Tampa Bay. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. Uh, well, it's a DeLorean, right? Bear with what me, Marty. All your questions will be answered. Roll yeah. tape. Chapman, there's enough in last night's game where I could see you going down a path that isn't consistent with the euphoric victory. But then you've got the <laughs> third period and the overtime, which served up so much greatness that... I believe you should be there. Uh, there's there's a fork in the road right here, Chapman, and I don't blame you for taking either path, all right? Just to get that out of the way. Yeah, there, there's so we- many different directions that that I, I think the three of us could go with this game, but I, I like how you pointed me out specifically because I'm probably the one that most likely – uh, have my cup fall off the table. I don't even know how, how, what Chapman, that means. But Chapman, 
Look, Chapman, he's leading you. He's I, leading I, you. I, to, I, to I know water. what he, I know what he's doing. But there's I'm not there, doing anything. There, there I'm were, just telling him I'm not going to mock him if he goes half empty. Uh, be based on what happened for the first two periods. I'm I'm giving him an out if he there, wants it. He doesn't have to take it. There were a lot of aspects of the game last night that I did not like. I did not like the the lack of volume of shots through two 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 periods. I did not like again seeing this team lose a lead late in the game. I thought Jonathan Quick played really well, so that's a positive. But when you have five Golden Knight players get ejected. In a period, it automatically becomes a five for me if you win that game. <laughs> like it is, it is. I, I I feel like the lunatic judge on Dancing with the Stars who completely loses his mind and gives it a a, a perfect score. They won the game and they had five players ejected in the process. Five all the way. Five. There's no there's no other direction I could go. It's a five. I've never been closer to you than I am right now, and we're across the continent. Yeah, I mean, you're like 2,400 miles away, and and we we have that connection, Darren. We do. It's a bit scary. It's really grown together. People people don't know uh, how close we really are. Uh, Ryan Wallace, what do you got? Yeah, it's a five out of five for me. It's a DeLorean. Listen, there are a lot of things to pick apart. There's a lot to, as Chris mentioned, there there are areas of the game where you wanted more, you were hoping for more. But the fact of the matter is, you know, after the the start to the road trip in Florida and and it just being, you know, a game that was flat, there were a couple of moments. Brett Howden, as you mentioned, Darren earlier, was kind of trying to get everybody into the game. It didn't really work out the way that you wanted it to. And then the physicality in the second period, the the sticking up for yourself in the third period, the fact that you sweep the season series over the Tampa Bay Lightning and you score in that way with Alec Martinez diving and Jonathan Quick playing incredibly well. I'm going five out of five. I, I like the physicality. I like the rough stuff. I like the the amount of penalty minutes that come out of that game, and you're the victor. Chapman's absolutely right on the money. It's five out of five. It was entertaining, and that is an aspect of this rating system too. Yeah, it was uh, it was totally entertaining. I went with the Trans Am uh, four out of five based on uh, the, the fact that they only had the the nine shots through two periods. Uh, that uh, was something that uh, that I think does bear uh talking about after this game but uh but they won the game and they were able to to put up a lead they didn't chase uh the game they they never trailed at all through the course of the night negativity lane over here even with only only the nine shots uh on goal uh quick was was great he's now two and oh uh with the vegas golden knights and and uh, looks like he's gonna have to play uh, more as we continue aiden hill has returned to to vegas so it's yuri patera and jonathan quick uh, the two goaltenders uh, for the next uh, couple of games uh but but a Trans Am is is still a good good car, and a Trans Am can be a fun car to drive. And you saw that in in the third period, uh, impressive. A uh, very important to to win that game last night, to get that split out of Florida uh, without your your A game. That gives you a, a step up going into these final three. Two of them uh, against St. Louis and Philadelphia are not playoff teams, and you've got one of the best clubs in the National Hockey League uh, to kick it off against the Carolina Hurricanes. You're not where you needed to be. That was not a response game, uh, despite scoring 27 seconds into the first period, that that we expected from the Vegas Golden Knights coming off the Florida Panthers game. 
does that give you more encouragement that there's more to come? It does me. So uh, it, if you didn't use it in Miami and you didn't use it in Tampa, uh, will you be able to unload it against the Carolina Hurricanes? I certainly hope so uh, tomorrow night because that's the second best team in the National Hockey League next to the Boston Bruins. And they're not happy with what happened back in Vegas. Uh, and uh, they will be trying to avoid uh, a sweep. Now, what one thing, there's something about Vegas this year. Uh, they're great against the Eastern Conference. And they are really good against the top teams. When you go through their record, and uh, we've we've had the conversation about other clubs in, in the past, the New York Rangers a year ago. Remember, we said they hadn't been anybody really good, but they were mm-hmm. winning all the games they they should. Uh, this is uh, this is a team in Vegas that beats all the good teams, and then you got to take care of all all the other stuff. Uh, encouraging when you think of them as a playoff team that they are able to raise the their game find ways to win which they did last night they didn't skate today so i don't know the status but uh alec martinez did mention ashley vice on the on the post-game walk-off interview uh that uh, they kind of banged up his leg a little bit i'm hoping that there's nothing there to that he mentioned that he gave himself a charlie horse because he did go sliding into there uh really uh, uh crossing my fingers that, uh, that that was just some tongue-in-cheek stuff uh that he had some fun and i will pass along to to everybody uh, I was told a couple of stories about the post-game celebration, and it was as raucous and as fun as any locker celebration last night uh, by, by the Vegas Golden Knights, that they were that uh, excited about that performance and the result against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which included uh, five players watching the game as the players uh, won that one <laughs> in, in overtime. Five players in the dressing room gathered around a TV watching the game because they'd already been tossed out, uh, which uh, which doesn't happen every day. So uh, there was a, that was that was kind of a, a, a bonding experience uh, for Vegas at a time when you've got three new players in the lineup and the goaltender wins the game. Uh, Teddy Bluger's in the middle of the uh, free-for-all, and Ivan Barbashev has acquitted himself. So I think that that you might, at right after the trade deadline, let's say I'm happy it happened this week and not two weeks ago, uh, that the new guys are part of that and directly involved in that, and it helps this five-game trip to, to bring them all a little bit closer together. It's a team-building win. You know, and I think that that's kind of the the easiest way that you can put it. There was adversity faced. You needed to lean on your new guys. You needed to lean on Jonathan Quick, and you had to dig deep and and kind of battle for one another. You have Teddy Bluger out there trying to hold down the fort and and, and protecting, and Keegan Colasar, Nick Hague, and you you kind of have that mix, and you know, everybody's involved, and everyone's kind of working working in the in the right direction. So I, I think that from that perspective. It was important to get those two points. It was important to find a way to win that game specifically. And, you know, you mentioned, right, that, you know, you're going into Carolina next. You got that game tomorrow. One of the the second best team in the league, second only to the Boston Bruins. I hope there's another gear for the Golden Knights. I hope that we see the the level of their game raised because I, I think you absolutely have to be on your game to give yourself a chance against the Carolina Hurricanes. When they played in Vegas, the Golden Knights played one of their best games of the year. And you're going to need that in Carolina tomorrow to, to, to beat and sweep that series, season series against the Hurricanes. There's a next level. There's a couple of levels. They they just got to turn it up and, and find it, uh, which 
knows um we we all know that that it's there we saw a bit of it in the third period still wasn't a a a response type period even with uh with everything that was happening and scoring the two goals that that helped get the game to overtime but uh encouraged that they saw it that they know what they're capable of uh they know that they if somebody tries to push them around, they're not going to be pushed around, which was uh, which was outstanding. Like drag people being dragged around the ice. There was uh, a couple of uh, odd man situations during uh, that encounter, in which there was all the ejections, where there was uh, a couple on one play uh, on, on both sides, uh, where where uh, players were in vulnerable spots. It it wasn't one of those crazy dangerous scenarios, but in the modern game, you don't see it very often. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a, a stark reminder of, of how far the games come, really. Uh, and uh, and in there is a time in our game where there might not have been more than two minors in, in something like that, and uh, yeah. uh, everybody would have went back instead of ten ejections uh, during the course of the game. Uh, I'm still not, I think the, the the referees did quite frankly over overreact uh, a touch, especially with so much time left uh, on the clock uh, <laughs> and and so few players. So, Alec Martinez joked that John Stevens was still calling out defensive combinations. And even though there was just four defensemen left and, and it was pretty obvious who, who was going out, but everybody was still so much involved in the game and, uh, and, and getting it going. Let's deal with the, uh, with the uh, altercation in the third period. I have, mm-hmm. I have a level uh, uh, that, that uh, tracks those kinds of situations and words that go with each level. And it goes okay. like a scrum, a kerfuffle, a melee, Donnybrook, which is what Keegan Colasar called it. And then you've got a brawl. Brawl and Donnybrook are really close together. Uh, that's a free for all. Mm-hmm. Last night was a melee. That it didn't go, it was more than a kerfuffle because of the number of people uh, that were fully engaged in it. But there wasn't the big square off fight. Uh, it wasn't a Donnybrook. Uh, it wasn't a brawl by any means, but it, it was more right in the middle uh, of my scale. Uh, blew away the scrum, uh, the kerfuffle. Uh, it's one of my favorite things in the world, but uh, but it it went beyond a, a simple kerfuffle uh, and and settled on a melee. So I'm sorry for uh, Rita and and people that were talking about kerfuffle last night. It it got elevated beyond, uh, which was cool. Even though I thought the the officials overreacted. Well, I'll just say this. You shouldn't call Rita out right now. She's pretty mad at you uh, unless you want to be in a Donnybrook. Uh, that's all I'm saying. She's, she's uh, incredibly don't, I don't disappointed. don't want to be in anything close to a Donnybrook. No, well, right. She's, she's disappointed in you. She's angry at you for not giving that game last hey. night a 5 out of 5. She is. I'm just telling you. I'm just relaying it. I know you're not that... on Twitter. I know you're not looking at it. I'm just giving you the information. Nope. She's not happy with you, and Stephanie thinks you should be kicked out of Positivity Alley. That's it. That's what's going on. Hey, sometimes it's the uh, realistic side of me that grabs hold. and Okay. Do All right. Often, but, that's... Uh, but I'm still, <laughs> I still gave it a 4 out of 5, so that's I, I'm not going crazy here. Uh, I, I did talk no. to you. Where did I get cut off the other day talking about a kerfuffle? Because I was, I finished my um, whole story and then didn't realize you, that I'd been talking for how long. It was one of those weird things where you get disconnected from yeah. a cell call and you've been talking. And you wonder how long have I been talking to myself? Yeah, that that happens to you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, 
yeah, talking I to myself. Um, you, you, no, no, no. You, you go on. You tell your story, and then all of a sudden, you realize that uh, the call was disconnected like three minutes yeah. ago. Um, yeah, I, 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 I bet that does happen to you quite a bit. Um, uh, you essentially said, "Hey, I'm going to tell you guys the difference between a kerfuffle," and then it stopped. Okay. Well, here's the here's the thing with the yeah. kerfuffle. I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm playing junior A hockey in Canada in Dauphin. And wow. uh, and mm-hmm. Barry Trotz was my team's coach the year before I played there. Uh, this is a pretty good level level of hockey. I'm a, I'm the backup goaltender for this team called the Dauphin Kings. And in comes our head coach and we got uh, we were not playing well and the other team was taking advantage of us. And uh, in comes our head coach, Doug Stokes. Awesome guy. Power play genius. Such a cool guy. And he had one of the coolest mustaches ever. And he's given us the gears for getting distracted. Stay out of the stuff. Stay out of that kerfuffle. Uh, no more kerfuffles. And we're, we're getting read the riot act by our head coach. And it's, it's tier two mm-hmm. hockey. It's good level of love of hockey. And we're an older team, uh, minus me. And all the guys start laughing, giggling. And, and, uh, because nobody's ever heard the word kerfuffle before. And I'm talking guys like 20 year olds might've been, must, they could have been 30 to me. Uh, they, they, they were like men and I'm looking at these guys laughing. I'm like, we're into it, uh, for sure. And the coach is kicking the garbage can and then he stops. He's like, what, what's going on here? And uh, our captain had to stand up and go like kerfuffle. What's a kerfuffle? And he said, a scrum, (laughs) but, but it's bigger than a scrum. Uh, so stay out of that stuff. So that's where, where my ranking comes from. Uh, scrum, mm-hmm. uh, right up there to kerfuffle and then, then melee. Uh, but, but kerfuffle is from my, my junior coach, Doug Stokes, and that stayed with me forever. And I use it all the time and people love the word kerfuffle to the point where now I listen to, to some, uh, announcers and, and mm-hmm. they just pick it up and, and they, they use it. And I know they haven't heard kerfuffle before. Like sure. Wallace, yeah. I've heard you drop kerfuffle and I use that mm-hmm. and, and I'm, and I'm uh, honored by you taking mm-hmm. that word and fitting it into your, your own vocabulary as part of our, our great sport. Yeah, no, I, I, I was very much introduced to kerfuffle just because of you. Um, Yes. Do, do you get it's a great do, word? Do you get irritated? It? No, no. Yeah, it, it's a fantastic word. But let me ask you a question: Do you get irritated when kerfuffle is used inappropriately? No. I, everybody's got their own assessment of it. I know what, oh, okay. how I view view, view kerfuffle, um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, and I know what a kerfuffle is based on my introduction to the word. I was there that sure. night in October <laughs> of of nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> Um, with the with the Dolphin Kings at the DMCC Ice Palace, I was there. I know what a first pan, what a kerfuffle is. Uh, if you want to take it and broaden it and make it your own, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But uh, but kerfuffle is ahead of a scrum is a more elevated altercation than a scrum. But it's below a melee and it's uh, a couple of notches behind a Donnybrook or a brawl. That's how I summarize things. So that was the origin of the word kerfuffle. The kerfuffle you from believe. Doug Stokes, who's still coaching today, yeah. by the way, and is an awesome wow. dude, and I love connecting with him every now and then. So kerfuffle did not exist before that moment. Not in my vocabulary. I didn't okay. use it. All right. yeah. uh, not not at all. And and I like Doug, even though he, he later uh, sent me back to, to Midget uh, uh, that year, to the, to the under-17 team uh, that year, because he said I wasn't quite ready. 
I just, I think I was ready. I just wasn't quite focused. It was my first sure, time away yeah. from home. I just wasn't yeah. quite as focused as I should have been. Talent-wise, there's no doubt I was ready. I just I know. couldn't pull it all together, if you know what I mean. I was just, uh, I, didn't, I didn't really focus on my school. It was probably good for my education, too, uh, that I got sent back to the U-17 team. <laughs> <laughs> Given my uh, level of attention to my schoolwork was, uh, was fading at the time. Wow. So there's, there's a kerfuffle story. Uh, do we have any tickets to give away? Or are we, uh, no, we, we do. We do for uh, Calgary. All right. All right. So Calgary nice. next Thursday, two pairs of or one pair of ticket, two tickets all overall. So one set of tickets, if you can follow all that, <laughs> to next Thursday's game against Calgary. Call seven oh two eight seven six thirteen forty. You will win a set of tickets to watch the Vegas Golden Knights in their first game back from the road trip as they match up against the Pacific Division rival Calgary Flames. Caller number I'm going nine based on Eichel with that ripper last night that ate up Andre Vasilevsky. One-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Let's get into a major announcement today from the Philadelphia Flyers who have removed general manager Chuck Fletcher from that position. Daniel Briere goes in as the interim general manager. This is interesting timing from the Philadelphia Flyers. A week ago, National Hockey League Mm -hmm. trade deadline. Uh, Mm -hmm. Chuck Fletcher's in charge of your organization. There's different things that could happen, couldn't happen, uh, but it's a very influential period for the organization. Then a week later, he's not your general manager. And I don't know what happened Mm -hmm. between then and now. The team wasn't going to make the playoffs. So that, uh, that status quo from last week. The only thing that makes me wonder is at the 11th hour, there was news of a trade involving James Van Riemsdyk. And it was announced uh, several of the insiders had it, and then it didn't happen. It was called off for some reason. Uh, That may have said some influence, but I'll be perfectly honest, uh, and I love JBR. Uh, I think he could have helped the team, uh, certainly on the power play uh, on the back end uh, of this season. Uh, JBR, a trade one way or the other, isn't something that should have impacted the future of a general manager. There's all kinds of other reasons, if you want to get into it, uh, for Chuck Mm -hmm. Fletcher to be moved out uh, as the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, but that's not it. I don't, I don't really, I, for the life of my hockey knowledge, can't lock it down as to why he was allowed to run their trade deadline and then mm-hmm. be out uh, the next week other than fan reaction. And they had a town hall meeting a few days after the trade deadline and Chuck was booed 
when he went into yeah. that situation. Um, uh, what was that? The, the the upper echelons of the organization looking at that, seeing seeing fan unrest and disappointment. Uh, they they haven't uh, responded uh, the way that they had hoped uh, when Chuck took over from Ron Hextall to speed up that process. He's only made the playoffs once as general manager. Uh, it didn't certainly didn't uh, take hold with with John Tortorella, despite hiring a, a big time coach. But I didn't think that they were going to be any good this year anyway. That it, there was more of a rebuild. So I, I I'm just I'm confused as to the timing and the rationale to make this change uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. And they might be going through, uh, by the sounds of it, uh, some some more changes than just Chuck Fletcher. Not saying the coach, mm-hmm. but some other different people in and around the organization. They've got uh, a lot of uh, high-profile personalities that have been around that organization for a long time. And I wonder whether or not some of them are going to be distanced from the decision makers and they might try and start fresh yeah i mean i i think it's certainly going to be um a a change in direction uh so to speak i i can't for the life of me understand why um if you're leaning toward this decision or if this was even an idea in the minds you make this move before the trade deadline you let your next guy and if it's going to be Danny Briere long term or if it isn't going to be Danny Briere long term maybe that's kind of one of the reasons why you just you let Chuck see through and then you, you make the decision then I don't really know but then again I've been confused about what the plan is for the Philadelphia Flyers for a couple of years now so um, whatever is going on with Philadelphia whatever needs to pass in order for this organization to get back on the right track and building towards something I genuinely hope for their fans that it happens um, over the course of the offseason and they can start to put the pieces together to be one of those franchises that uh, we know the Philadelphia Flyers have been throughout their existence and can be in the future. This really does smell of the fan base and their irateness winning over the upper people in the in the uh in the organization and and watching that happen and and seeing a reaction that that quite frankly i think it was the backlash from the fans and the media which really went after chuck uh it uh it it, it was it was vicious to to chuck uh, in the in the hours and the days after the trade deadline i i think that's exactly what it was here okay but when you label yourself a seller at the deadline and you don't effectively sell anything, how are you expecting fans to take that? Oh no, I, I'm not. I'm not faulting anybody for being upset. Where, where I'm just puzzled is the um, the presidents or, or, or the different people within the organization that control the general manager's job, uh, looking at that and saying, uh, okay. We let you run the organization. A, look, a JVR trade isn't enough. A trade one way or the other, whether you get a, a fifth-round pick or, or you don't get a fifth-round pick, isn't enough to say, oh, he, he whiffed on that. He's got to go. Like that is, I, I understand uh, that, that it wasn't to people's liking, but look what the potential was. For, for stuff coming in. They, they didn't have a ton of pieces as it was. They, they could have been a little more active, but I don't, think, I don't think this trade deadline, the lack of action with the Philadelphia Flyers, set back the franchise at all. 
but the the backlash and the response by the fans uh, made this made this change in in general managership uh, made this happen. I, I I agree with you in that I don't think it set the franchise back, but I don't think it moved them forward either. And I think when you are kind of perpetually stuck in this situation where I don't think anyone knows what is actually going on, what the direction is of, of the franchise, draw a line in the sand and, and try to do something to move you forward. I agree. I don't think look, it set look, them back. Chuck, I, like, I, Chuck I, was brought in there to make things mm-hmm. happen. Like the, the guy that was slow and developing and draft and and uh, and make players uh, in the National Hockey League, that was Ron Hextall's uh-huh. plan. Uh, sure. He got moved yeah. up because it wasn't moving fast enough. Chuck Fletcher's the guy to, to, to be aggressive. He knows if, if you want to be aggressive, he'll be aggressive. Uh, it, it's the first time that I've seen a general manager fired because of his job on the trade deadline. I've never witnessed it before. And, and I'm not saying that Chuck uh, should have been kept on after this year. They're way behind what they what they should be right now. I didn't agree with Chuck going in there to replace Ron Hextall. I thought Ron got a, a raw job uh, in, in in that situation. So maybe it lies with other people in the organization as as my frustration with it. But uh, but uh, for it to happen after a week after the trade deadline is totally reactionary to me to a fan base and the media. And that's a dangerous way uh, to operate uh, an organization. Uh, other stuff happening. Uh, the VGK. Guys, I don't really saw this. In the top five of the National Hockey League power rankings that come out on NHL.com every year, number one, Boston, then Carolina. They've been stable in that area. Toronto moved up one spot to three. New Jersey fell down one spot to four. And Vegas climbed three spots to number five uh, in the NHL top ten. Rounding out uh, your top 10, Tampa Bay at 6, LA 7, Dallas 8, Colorado 9, and the New York Rangers at 10. I have no issue with Vegas being at number 5 on that list. No, I don't either. Um, Someone should start watching some New York Rangers games to, to drop them out of the top 10. But other than that... Yeah, I, I don't have any issue with the Golden Knights pushing the, the top five in the power rankings. They, again, they're 10, 2, and 2 out of the bye week in the All-Star break. It, it, it's been a great run. Has it been wall-to-wall, full 60 minutes? No, it hasn't. But the Golden Knights have done what they've needed to do to get results through a really tough spar- tough part of the schedule. Uh, y- you got to tip your cap to that for sure. You think the New York Rangers should be uh, outside the top ten? Am I? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think there's an adjustment period uh, when when you change failure that many to launch players, with Patrick Kane. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's an adjustment period, but uh, we'll 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 see how it happens. I have no issue with uh, with the Rangers being in, in the top ten. Uh, they are behind Colorado and Dallas and, and L.A. And who would you take in a series between the Rangers? Uh, versus Colorado, Rangers versus Dallas, the Rangers versus LA. Um, I think I think a lot of people would take the New York Rangers, taking into account that uh, that they're not going to be as struggling uh, going forward as they are right now. Yeah, uh, I think there's too much in in what you've got to try to accommodate, and how you've got to bring that together, and in the combinations you've got to find. I, I think it introduces too much. Um, and Patrick Kane just flat out hasn't looked very good. So um, 
I don't know. I mean, there's time for me to be proven wrong. It's not like that would be the first time this year. Let's see uh, what happens when he feels at home and he starts getting a little bit more demanding of the puck. He wants the puck. He needs the puck. He is playing nice right now. He doesn't want to upset everybody. When they start giving him the puck, uh, when he wants the puck, uh, then I think you'll see the New York Rangers uh, take a, a couple of steps. This it's it's the gamble of the National Hockey League trade deadline when you cover uh, a lot of different moves like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers did. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin bobblehead night. Uh, that's an honor of passing Gordie Howe for second all time in NHL points uh, behind Wayne Gretzky. This is uh, on the heels of the bobblehead by uh, Brandon Tanev with his ghost look uh, that was handed yeah. out yesterday. By the way, the Saddle Kraken lost uh, that game against the Ottawa Senators. Which bobblehead would you rather have? The Alexander Ovechkin bobblehead uh, honoring him for being number two all time in National Hockey League points or Brandon Tanev ghost look? The cooler one is Brandon Tanev. The one that I want is Alex Ovechkin. Wow. I thought for sure you would have went with Tanev for both. It's cooler. 100% cooler. But the the one that I would want is is Ovechkin it's surpassing Gordie Howe. Like, you want that one, and then you want the one when he passes Wayne Gretzky. It's a heck of a bobblehead collection there. What about you, Chapman? Oh, I want the Ovechkin. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's absolutely it's, it's not really that close it's, at all it's, it's not even and, and you guys are going away from the goofiness this no this is just i i want right the legend i want the guy who's going to become the all-time leading goal scorer in the nhl plus i i i, I like ovechkin so i i would i would want his uh his bobblehead more again uh, the tanev one is the coolest bobblehead i've ever seen yeah uh, yep. and, and we are debating bobbleheads, which is uh, a sign that I gotta get, I gotta get beyond this. Uh, Kaprizov's out three to four weeks uh, with the Minnesota Wild uh, with a lower body injury. That looked ugly. We'll see how that impacts them. I, I think they've got enough of a cushion built up on the Calgary Flames that it shouldn't be a problem. And Philip Gustafson has been so outstanding uh, in goal uh, for the uh, Minnesota Wild that they should be able to find a way to hoax this thing home uh, inside that central division. Uh, interestingly, Gustafson was uh, traded out of Ottawa uh, and uh, for Cam Talbot last year. And there's a lot of like mixed reaction to that because uh, the, the insinuation was the coach in Ottawa didn't like Gustafson, but the goalie coach did. And there was some pull push uh, involved in there. Uh, that they might have traded the wrong guy. Well, it certainly looks like it right now. Uh, but, uh, but Cam Talbot is out uh, he's not going to be around for, for the next three weeks, so that's going to put even more pressure on the Ottawa Senators. That being said, they, they won a big game uh, last night. And uh, we've got the McDavid versus uh, Austin Matthews uh, game that, that, that's coming up uh, tomorrow. And uh, like this, that's a marquee game. Who, who do you think raises the level of their game? Oh, McDavid. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm going uh, I'm going eight, seven, uh, okay, 15 goals. That's what I'm calling <laughs> for tomorrow night. I think that, that's, that's, that's nine, six. That's eight, yeah. seven. That's 10, five. 
that could be any of it. But the way the goaltenders on those two teams have played, sure, Jack Campbell yeah. going back, I, I do think you could see one of those crazy and and the Oilers always played weird games against Toronto and Gretzky's era. Uh, you might see that same type of thing. Uh, John Tavares could be back tomorrow night for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, that'll add some intrigue to it uh, as well, and the potential for more offense. I'm going 15 goals, total goals tomorrow night. Okay. So, like, right. if I'm just, I'm just going to throw out a, like a, a ridiculous take here. Uh, well, give me a give me a double hat trick. Give me six goals for Connor McDavid to get to 60 against Austin Matthews. That'd be phenomenal. How about a 10 point night uh, to equal Daryl Sittler's record? There it is. In there it is. Let's go. I know. That's let's, what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for. That. And and Dallas scored ten the other night uh, against the Buffalo yeah. Sabers, so we can get we can get ten goals in in a game. That's the first time this year. Those are one timers. News and notes from around the National Hockey League on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Catching up with Chapman's next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for catching up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So my catching up with Chapman today was going to be that Dave Gosher was going to be on Cafe Vinyl on Sunday morning. I talked to Demo Dave on Tuesday about that, but we decided early in the morning that we were going to uh, have him on. So that couldn't be catching up with Chapman. So I put a little thought into it. And one of the things they do on Cafe Vinyl is determine or they talk about their five songs that that, that uh, Gosher gets to play. So I thought about the five songs I would play if I was on Cafe Vinyl with Demo Dave on Sunday mornings on the Point 97.1. Right. So the first yep. song, and these are in no particular order. The first song I have is Hello, Goodbye by the Beatles. Love that song. I Get Around by the Beach Boys. Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Ooh, good one. Three Little Birds by Bob Marley, maybe my favorite song ever. And Spirits in the Night by Bruce Springsteen, my favorite Bruce song, because he, he talks about a lake in my hometown of Lakewood, New Jersey. He refers to it as Greasy Lake. It's actually Lake Shenandoah, which is on Route 88 in Lakewood. And uh, so anytime I have to pick one of these, I'm, I'm going to go with that song. But I'm always reminded of Mike Damone. In Fast Times at Richmond High, when, when we're talking about B-sides or second sides of the album, because he tells Mark Ratner when he's about to go out with, with the young girl to play side two of Led Zeppelin 4. Here's the problem. When he's in the car, he's playing Cashmere, which is on physical graffiti, not on Led Zeppelin 4. If you don't know that, now you do. Uh, and uh, again, one of my all-time favorite movies there, too. So... Uh, I, I I got nothing else. <laughs> that was a smooth ending. I, I I just don't know what else to say. Cashmere is on physical graffiti, not Led Zeppelin four, and Ratner well, screws just it up. End the sentence, okay? And then I, we'll start talking. Right. You don't have to say I've got nothing else to say. <laughs> I, I paused. That's what we're here for. Okay. Pick you up. Have a good weekend, guys. I'll talk to you from Philadelphia on Monday, boys.